Welcome to Tiki Central, Canada. Have you ever wondered what's in that cool, refreshing drink that you just gotta have on that hot summer's day? Mm, me too. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. He has left society. He has entered Tiki Central with palm trees, beach sand, blue skies, and, and wow, I gotta have more drinks. Here are your hosts, Craig and Cam, and their wacky views on drinks, life, and maybe information. All right, folks. Hey, how we doing there? Uh, it's Craig, and uh, sorry about the delay there, folks. Um, so, unfortunately, one of the reasons why we're delayed in our show this time is because Cam's been detained and should be coming back to the show hopefully soon. Fingers crossed. But we got a little surprise. We actually just came back from Cuba, me and my girlfriend. And guess who my co-host is today? It's my girlfriend, Norma. Say hi, Norma. Hi, Norma. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> now, uh, unfortunately, this is, of course, against her will. So uh, <laughs> yes. I bribed her. I'm not quite sure with what yet. We'll figure it out along the way. But like I said, we just came back from Cuba. And we had an amazing time. But Norma, I'm going to ask her uh, so she can maybe give you guys a little more information because some of you guys I know travel just like we do. What did you like and dislike about the trip? I always enjoy the beaches and the, the people. Yeah, she's all about the beaches. Yeah, I love the beach. It was, it was gorgeous. Cuba's got some of the best beaches in the planet, uh, on the planet. And, uh, of course, the people are super friendly, super nice, uh, uh, just wonderful, and, and I love the, the Cuban culture, of course. Uh, that's always great, too. And um, But, you know, the There's one negative, yeah, <laughs> the one negative with Cuba, as most people probably know, is, is the food is okay. <laughs> it's okay. Let's just put it this way. You eat to survive, not for pleasure, right? That's exactly what I had said, actually. Is, yeah. You know, one of the great joys in life is, is food. But uh, for me, I found when I'm down there, while well, you're eating to survive, you're not actually eating for pleasure because it's, it's like okay. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think what we found was that we found some every single meal that we went through, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we found like sort of these safe foods. Yep. I'll give you an example. Like our breakfast, we had hard-boiled eggs, fruit, and toast because we knew that those three things you kind of can't mess up. That's right. And everything else was kind of questionable. Yeah, there was always a, you know, there, you're not starving, right? You're not starving. There's always something to eat and some stuff is actually good. Um, but it's in general, it's it's an adventure to have your, your meal, <laughs> yes. right? Because you're like, well, am I going to like this meal? What am I actually going to be eating, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I, I remember one time, so we were finally, we're, we're hungry one day and we're like, oh, this place sells hamburgers. Oh my God, this oh, is going to be so amazing my with goodness. fries. So the, <laughs> not. go ahead. Yeah, you guys tell me yeah. what's going to happen. Oh my goodness, not. Well, so we were very much looking forward to this, you know, just a burger and fries. And I think it was a, actually it was a dinner time we decided to do this for the first time at this uh, buffet um, or this one little restaurant. And I've never, I can say until now, had a hamburger <laughs> on toast. It was, yeah, it was to and actually, I think if I remember correctly, yours was actually missing a piece uh, uh, in the yes, middle. Yes, there was a piece like, that was missing. I'm not sure what happened or where it went. I the cat ate it or think something. I saw a cat walking away with it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting and not very enjoyable. No, and the, and the fries were cold. I the fries, yeah, yeah, I think I had fries, what, three or four times while we were there, and, and three out of the four times they were yeah. cold. We, we gave up on that, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the reason why we're talking about Cuba and... Uh, 
the risk because we actually are doing this episode on Cuba and the mojito, and that is a drink that we got to talk about on this show. When we were down there, and Jesus was our tour guide, he brought us this uh, bar. I can't remember exactly what the name of the bar was called. It was called La Fuente. Oh, so if you're down there, check it out. La Fuente is in Maroon, right? Yep. Yes. Amazing mojitos. He told me even before I even drank, this is going to be the best mojito you ever had. And I kind of went, okay, I'm a bartender. Yeah, that's going to happen. And actually, no, they actually were the best mojitos I've ever had. So how did this drink start? So the Drake started actually in 1586 by Sir Francis Drake and his crew. His crew was actually uh, suffering from scurvy and they were coming on shore to Cuba and the natives actually made this concoction to prevent scurvy. So Richard Drake, he's an associate of Francis Drake, called the drink El Draco after Francis. So it was actually the slaves that actually created this drink, the mint and the rum and the lime juice to prevent scurvy. So it's pretty cool. And then also, too, the drink's name came from a Spanish word, madita. Med, mito, sorry, madito. Is, is, is it mojadito? Is madito? It yeah. Mojadito? Mojito. And that means little wet. See, I, I am terrible when it comes to pronouncing anything that's close to Spanish in any shape or form. In fact, when we were actually on our trip, it's hilarious because everywhere I went, she's like, almost like she was like the mid-translator between me and the person <laughs> I was talking to. Yeah, I, I try. <laughs> Un poquito. So, yeah, a little, bit of, a little bit of Spanish. Dos cervezas, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two beers, yeah, I think, yeah. is it? That's beers? right. Okay. <laughs> also, too, a spice that they use in Cuba, which is a lime-based seasoning for, for their meats and stuff, is called mobo. I guess is also the terminology for the mojito as well that uh, the Cubans use. Of course, a famous person we've already talked about in the past in one of our episodes about daiquiri is Mr. Ernest Hemingway. So Ernest Hemingway was, of course, a resident of Cuba, and this is actually his second drink that he discovered. And uh, the drink was actually in... Okay, now Norm's going to have to help me with his pronunciation at the bottom here. Is that a town name? Or... A town name, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's, uh, it's, well, and again, I'm definitely not Spanish. However... Yes, uh, le, better than I am, for le sure. Bodeguita del Medio. There we go. So if you're ever there, that's one of the places to check out. So what is in a mojito? So a mojito is white rum. Um, the rum that I use for this is a Havana Club. And the reason why I use Havana Club is because actually that's the rum from Cuba. So why better not use Havana Club than anything else? It comes with mint leaves and simple syrup, which we talked about before, which is sugar and water. Excuse me, lime juice and club soda at the top to top it off. Did you mention the brown sugar already? No, so oh. one of the things that I do in my uh, mojitos is actually I do some variations. I actually use brown sugar instead of the simple syrup because the brown sugar is going to bring out a little bit more molasses and give it a little more texture. And also, too, an example, in Norma's case, she doesn't like anything tart. Right. Yes, she likes the sweet stuff. That's it. And her rum. Yes. And so <laughs> with that, I would actually add some 7-Up in there to, to sweeten it up a bit so it's not so tart. Oh, I think you're going to have to make me one then <laughs> with that. There we go. Uh, we'll definitely do it at the Tiki Hut this summer, which we're hoping soon will be to unwrap. We're just uh, staring at winter every single day, looking at it, going, my God, just when's this thing going to end? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Is that a difficult drink to make or does it take a long time to make? So the thing is, this is one of those drinks where you have to give it a little bit of love and care. What I mean by that is what you're going to do is you're going to start off in your shaker or your glass you're going to start off with some mint leaves at the bottom and then a little simple syrup or brown sugar, wherever you're using at the time. If you are using brown sugar, just put a little bit of soda in there so you get a little bit of texture or like the water in there. 
and then muddle that. And what I mean by muddle is that we talked about before is that little baseball bat you see at the bar. And what you're going to do is you're actually going to do is press and turn. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I've seen bartenders and people do it and they absolutely butcher the mint. So if you actually break the mint down by pounding it or putting ice in there while you're muddling it, you're actually going to do is you're breaking down the mint. What you're doing when you want to muddle is you just want to release, release the, the, the juices and all the flavors out of the mint, not kill the mint. So that's one of the things that does take a little bit of time and you kind of have to practice that. But once you've muddled that, then you're going to add in your lime juice and your rum, of course. And then you could shake that and strain that. I tend to build this drink actually right in the glass. So then you have the mint leaves there and everything else. And then just top that off with soda. Or like I said, if you want to make it a little sweeter, you can do some soda and 7-Up to kind of soften it up a bit. And that's how this drink is made. Very cool. So I'm going to talk about some Cuban history since we were there. And we learned quite a bit while we are there from our tour guide, Jesus. Yes. And yes. super nice guy. Amazing, amazingly friendly person. Very knowledgeable. Spoke, what, four or five languages? Yeah, apparently he said now amazing. in the new school system there that they have to learn these four languages before they graduate from school. Yeah, yeah. Really amazing and starting over. And, you know, it, it was quite a not a good experience, obviously. Um, but has a great attitude, great guy. And, and I would highly recommend going to the, the town of Marao. It was very nice. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, um, let's go back to our trip again. Yeah. Norma, so everywhere that Jesus took us, it was funny because he was like, oh, this is where it was before the revolution, and this is what it is after the revolution. Right. The one that threw me off, I'm pretty sure for you it did too, as well, is like it was a park we're at that had all these kinds of animals and in, in, uh, water, like ducks and whatever, but the apparently the park was a cemetery prior to yes. revolution, yep. and they actually excavated and removed the bodies and the the, the, the coffins out of that area to another location somewhere i'm not quite sure where yeah but it turned into a park yes they did I'm, that's I'm a little a... strange but it's a nice park but <laughs> it was a nice park but clearly that when we heard the story we're just kind of like okay well, well i don't understand the purpose to why would we move coffins out of a part of a cemetery to make it into a park I, yeah. I, don't, I get that i'm not quite sure but i'm sure some down the line we'll figure it out must be prime real estate or something <laughs> yes <Yeah>, so <laughs> And the, the thing is, too, like, we actually, when we came down on this trip, we knew that the, this, this whole process of, has happened with the hurricane. So we actually brought extra stuff down. We brought some clothes down. We brought some toiletries down and things like that for them. And we, we left it on uh, for our maids and things like that and also some of the maintenance guys. And one of the particular characters we actually met at the time, uh, what was his name? He had the falcon. Mandy. Mandy, yeah. And so Mandy actually had this falcon that he trained as a pet. Yeah, he would. Uh, uh, he was a gardener on the resort, and every day he'd be, you know, doing his duties and perched nearby, um, you know, in one of the trees would be his falcon named Poncho. A beautiful bird, uh, you know, you could pet it and have your picture taken with it. And and Mandy was so friendly and lovely and appreciative, and it uh, it really made uh, it was a highlight of our trip. I think at least for oh, me, for sure. it was definitely no, we, every day we checked wonderful. the pool to see if he was there or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and the sad thing uh, that me and you uh, mentioned before we talked about is that it's, it was sad because here people are getting pictures taken with this falcon, and nobody's leaving this guy a tip. You know, this guy has to feed this thing every single day, and also too, but the the, the process they just went through with the hurricane, so. Yeah. 
I was just very surprised that everywhere we went in the bar or this with Mandy and all that, that people weren't tipping out. And I know it's all included and all exclusive, and I get that. But you know, people get to realize that these people have nothing, or have lost a lot in the last year. So you know, when you're down there, please be generous because really, these people, you know, ten dollars to you or two dollars a day, whatever, is nothing to you. But to these people, it is huge. That's right. That's right. And he was so appreciative. He wasn't asking for tips. Uh, like so many people might, uh, but he wouldn't ask. He was just taking it, if, you know, accepting it if you offered. And, and we gave him a tip the first day, and, and he explained to us that he needs to feed the, the falcon raw meat, so chicken and beef. Um, obviously, it's, it's a bird of prey, right? And yeah. so he would, uh, that, that costs a lot. And for him, you know, he's probably not even eating chicken and beef every day, nor his family. So this is a big expense for him so i felt so bad and he was such a nice guy and his bird was so beautiful um i you know went back the next day and and just gave him more money because (laughs) i just i just had to do it you know and he was so appreciative it was amazing it was one of the highlights of of my trip uh i think i've said that earlier yeah and and folks she actually did she actually went back the second day go i have to give him more money yep (laughs) Um, And then the funny thing is actually the last day we're there, we brought always, every time we go on these trips, we always bring some snacks with us to bring to our rooms. And one of the things we had was this gigantic bag of M&Ms. And so we knew we weren't going to bring it back with us. So we actually gave it to him and then actually didn't think about it afterwards. I even mentioned to Norma, I said, you know what? They don't actually have M&Ms down here. So I'm pretty sure for him, this is a pretty cool thing. Well, apparently nuts are very expensive down in Cuba. Um, They're quite expensive. So he was thrilled to get, you know, some almonds that we had left as well. And and I said, well, this is for you. He said, oh, I'm going to give this to my son as a treat, you know, and it's, it's quite expensive. So that's something they don't get very often there. Yeah, because you have to remember, not only are you giving them things, but they actually, they have a family that's, you know, at home. Because you know, a lot of these people, I'm sure, have more than, you know, one child. They mm-hmm. have three or four kids at home, and so they have to take care of them as well. And yep. so when you give them something like that, like we did with the peanuts and the, the, the food, that's getting passed back on town to the family at the house. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, you know, we had an amazing time. And people are just so generous when we're down there. And I think that's one of the things I did like about Cuba. Yep. Of course, the food we just talked about, we're not a big fan of that. For some strange reason, they, they don't have ketchup. I don't get that process. <laughs> it was rare. Yeah, it was we strange. It, it, was it was very rare. strange. Hard I to think. get syrup, but, you know. And even when we decent, I think we did say ketchup, it was like kind of this brown gravy yeah. substance. It wasn't Heinz, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. No, so actually, you know, in the final days, actually, we did see some tourists, actually, they brought their own ketchup with them. So if you're going out of Cuba and you are very particular about your ketchup, you might want to bring a bottle with you. And maybe some maple syrup if you like pancakes too, because that <laughs> was right. seemed to be hard to find as well. That and dressing. Yeah, oh, condiments yeah. in general. People. Yeah, condiments in general, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So let's just go over some Cuban history here. Um, and this is one of the things, uh, every time I travel, I always want to learn more about where I'm going. So the Cuban uh, communist revolutionary and politician Fedro? Fidel. Fidel. Fidel Castro. See, I, I butcher every word. That is not in my vocabulary. <laughs> yes, so I don't even have to worry about getting the comments saying, Craig, you don't know how to, how to speak. I already know already. Fidel Castro actually took over the Cuban Revolution from 1953 to 1959. And so in his earlier life, Castro decided to fight against the uh, overthrown at that time. Uh, okay, now how do you pronounce this guy's name? I believe it would be Fulgencio Batista. Batista, right. And his military because uh, he was starting to become a dictator in the country, so they actually overtook him. And the organization that took overtook him was called the Movement at that time. And so when he took it over in 1959, 
regime actually seized all the Picardy's family assets and, and uh, estate. So this actually forced Picardy, this is where their home turf was at the time, it was Cuba, to leave the country. So they actually just dropped everything they had there and moved on to Puerto Rico and uh, Barbados. This is two places that Picardy actually ended up going because of the situation. At that time, Havana Club was starting to become uh, the next rum, I guess, of Cuba. So we're still talking about Cuban culture, right? Yeah. So why are there so many old cars in Cuba from the 50s and 60s, and you don't see really any new cars? Yeah, no, so it's very interesting. When we were there, we noticed that, and really no one actually kind of gave us an answer on that. Talked to the, the taxi guy. I can't remember what his name was either. Um, I don't recall. Yeah, and, and Jesus. And it was kind of like no one really gave us an answer. So I came home, and you know me, research bug. I'm going to find out what's going on. It's because Castro, when he took over, he banned the, the, the sale of foreign vehicles or any parts that came from a foreign car. So you're like, well, how do they fix these cars that are back in 1950s and 60s, and which really were cool. It was really cool to see some of these really old cars from the 50s and 60s there. And well restored, by the way. Mm -hmm. But what it is is that the mechanics there actually would have to fabricate the parts. So in other words, what they did is he actually made the parts on Cuba for the car. So they couldn't they couldn't ship parts in. They couldn't ship a car in. They actually would have to fabricate the parts and keep the car alive, I guess, in that way. Kind of like the Christine process to keep the car alive. And that's what they did. Now, his brother, Raul, Raul. Raul Castro, okay, when he took over... Okay, he actually removed this ban just recently, a couple of years ago. And so it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen if the old classic cars are going to stay there. Because Cuba is kind of known for that. If you look at anything with Cuba, you're going to see the classic cars. We got uh, bookmarks, we got license plates. All of them have the classic cars on them. And so it's going to be interesting to see like, now that this ban has been removed, that now you can actually buy new foreign cars if they're going to be coming into the country or they're going to try to stick with the classics because that's what they're known for. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be pretty cool to see. Now, in 1969, Pedro Castro also had Christmas stricken from the official calendar. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> so, so, yeah, in 1969, he had actually removed from the calendar. That's horrible. Okay. And it didn't uh, resurface until Pope John Paul II actually visited the island in 1996. Wow. So I guess when he visited, he was like, what? No Christmas. What is wrong with you people? Can't be Christian without Christmas, no? <laughs> That's right. Or Catholic, especially. <laughs> oh my God, no, exactly. So how do you have not Christmas? What do you do on December 25th? I don't know, I guess. Oh boy. Boring. <laughs> so when I'm at a bar, this is off topic, I guess we're on a different, onto a different topic now. Yes, but, yes. So when I'm at a bar, there's all this different lingo and, and terms being used. And what are some of those and what do they mean? Because sometimes, you know, I'm one of those people who doesn't really know what I'm doing when I get to the bar, so... Right, and some of these actually are terms that's funny when I actually do use them, the people look at me with question marks and stuff. So I'll give you an example. So um, when someone orders a gin and tonic example, okay, the first question I'll ask them is tall and short. Do you want a tall or short? And they look at me with a question mark, like, what do you mean by tall and short? And is there a difference? Well, yes, actually, folks, there is a difference. So when you order a bar rail or anything and you say you want it short, what you mean by that is that you're getting a smaller glass, you're getting more of a one-to-one -one ratio, so you're getting kind of gin and tonic, the same measurements. You're going to taste the alcohol for sure. Now, if you don't want to taste the alcohol, for example, Norma doesn't want to taste the alcohol. No. She hates that. Don't like strong drinks. So when I make drinks for her, I have to like dock them up a little bit. I make them sweeter. 
So in that situation, you would actually ask for a tall because then you're going to get more mix. Right. And a little, the same, you're actually still getting the same amount of alcohol. You're still getting a one ounce or one and a half ounce, whatever their measurement is in that bar. But you're getting more mix, so it doesn't taste as strong. Right, or more diluted. Yeah. Now, another thing that you're also going to see, it's called call drink. That's a, another terminology that's used in the bar industry. And what that means is that you're calling the brand name. And so, well, Craig, well, what, what do you mean by that? I mean that, okay, example, I go into a bar and I ask for a gin and tonic. I'm getting whatever is on their bar rail, which is actually the cheapest gin they have in the bar. Usually that is Gordon's. Example in my bar, actually it is Gordon's in my bar. And it's not usually the best gin that's provided for us. Um, you know, like it's kind of low quality. So when you ask for a drink, say rum and coke or gin and tonic, you're actually getting the lowest quality of alcohol that they have on, 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 their, on their bar. So the best thing to do in that situation is to know some brand names of whatever your favorite drink is. So example, if you are a rum and coke person, you might want to know, call it, hey, I would like to have a Bacardi and Coke. Right. Yeah, and so in that situation, you're actually going to get Bacardi, rum, and not whatever they have on the well. Now, it could be Bacardi in the well, but it could be something cheaper and not as good. Right, this way you know you're getting what you've asked for. Exactly, yeah. and most people actually don't really know that. It's mm -hmm. very surprising how many people think when you say rum and coke or gin and tonic that you're automatically giving them the best that you have. No, and that's not the case at all. You're getting the lowest grade of whatever it is on the bar. Yeah, that's not really how bars work. <laughs> no, and usually nine times out of ten, I find with the lowest grades, that's usually where things like headaches and hangovers you come into play. Ooh, don't want that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's something you want to know, folks, when you go into a bar, that you want to know maybe some brand names that you are familiar with or that you like. So if you have a particular rum or gin or whatever at home that you use, that's what you want to call when you order the drink. So are you going to be paying a premium for that, though? You can, but you also um, you could always do is ask. Uh, there's nothing. There's no harm in asking, saying, you know, hey, I want to order, I'd say, a... For example, if you're doing tequila, yeah, if you order Patron, guess what? You're probably paying a little bit more. Right, exactly. But... Are you going to have a hangover in the morning compared to, say, some really cheap tequila, which is on the bar round? Probably not. Right. Right. Because especially in a situation like tequila, there are some really bad tequilas out there. And if you don't mention it by name, you're going to get wherever they have on the bar rail. Mm -hmm. Good yeah. to know. Yes, exactly. Did you know? I did not. So Havana Club, like I said, after the revolution became the country's asset and actually the rum of the country. So we noticed when we were down there, and as I was very interested about it, is that everywhere we went, there was this Havana Club, Havana Club, no matter what it was. Be it spiced, which we actually picked up a bottle, which was great, and white rum, dark rum, whatever it was, is all Havana Club. And so I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't make sense, because usually when we go on trips, we usually see more than one type of rum. And the reason why that is is because in Cuba, the government actually owns the rum. And so they regulate it, and the only thing that can be sold in Cuba is the Havana Club. Now, it's also, this was actually owned by, and uh, you, know, you can help pronounce this lovely word. I, again, Spanish is not my thing, folks, so just bear with me. Well, I, I, again, Spanish is not really my language either, however, uh, I, and I've not seen this name before, but I'm going to say that it probably is a Archabala family. The Archabala family, yes. Now, they actually have lost their rights to the Havana Club, and right now I have going on some ongoing legal battles to keep the trademark uh, as owners. So this is actually something still going on to this day to fight for their own brand name actually that they created. Unbelievable. But now actually it's owned by 
the Cuban government and also a joint venture investor is the uh, Pernod Ricard. Thank you. See, she's I love her, guys. She's great. <laughs> Pernod Ricard, and they actually are a company that is a major distributor of some of the labels that we all know. An example: Absolute Vodka is made by them. Beef, sorry, Beef Eater Gin is made by them. Jameson Irish Whiskey. Okay, so apparently they're into Irish stuff over there. Malibu Rum. That one kind of blew me away. Because it's one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, of course, the Havana Club. And there's a lot more under their brand name. Oh, so some good stuff. Yeah. So th- they're they're worth, obviously, a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Now, Havana Club is the fifth largest rum brand name in the world. So, Norma, do you know what number one is? Um, Bacardi? Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Now, Havana Club sells over 6 million cases a year. Bacardi, if I remember correctly... You know, eight hours, eight hour shift. Sorry, uh, does something like fifteen thousand bottles an eight hour shift. Wow. So I don't know what the math on that is, but it definitely is more than that. That's a lot. It is a lot. Yes, that's a lot of rum going around everywhere. That's for sure. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no. No, no, no. Especially not if it's cruising rum. Yeah. My favorite. Yes. <laughs> uh, for the folks who don't know, cruising rum actually comes out of St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. I dragged her there last year on a cruise yes and uh she finally got to sample the goods and now she's addicted oh it's the best and now she's going to a cruise in anonymous uh meetings <laughs> on a regular basis oh hardly <laughs> <laughs> but uh it definitely is a rum you want to try yes for sure absolutely it's good so we're going to do mailbag and um norma has got the the question that is in the mailbag okay this is from an email from phil how do I order a drink without sounding stupid, not being an expert? So we did talk about some of the bar lingo previously, the short, tall, the process, and the calm, the drink as well. But also, like I said, you want to know some brand names before you go out and uh, venture off into the bars. Also, to just have a couple of drinks in your mind that you want to order up and what is involved in those. Another thing, too, is uh, example of me. I'm not a wine connoisseur. But I know my way around it because I know at least the brand names, like the Merlot, the Chardonnay, the Pinot Grigio, which is obviously Norma's favorite. Yes. Yes, she loves the Pinot Grigio. It's good stuff. The sweet stuff. See, it's always the sweetness because <laughs> she's so sweet herself. Aww. Aww. Oh, barf. I know, eh? <laughs> what the heck was I going on here? So anyways, um, just get to know some terminology and maybe some brand names. A good thing to do is to walk into LCBO uh, sometime when you have some downtime. And just check out, say, the example of the category of gin. And you can walk down the, the little category of gin and you can see different brand names that, that are there. And especially if you go to the ones, and of course, this is uh, LCBO in Ontario. So if you're not in Ontario, then just find a liquor store that's near you. And usually there is an expert there or someone who knows a little bit about the product. So, um, example, I go to Rito Center, one in LCBO. And the great thing about that is that a lot of people that work there are experts in their product. So they always have some good advice on what to purchase and what's involved in those products. So if you are concerned about like, well, I'm not quite sure what I should get, example, from my bar or if I'm going out somewhere, I'm going to order, example, like a gin and tonic and I'm not quite sure what kind of gins are out there. Just take a little browse through LCBO. Um, also, too, we always do is we always pick up the LCBO catalog. Something yes. in, and also has food in there as well. Right? Food and drink, it's called. Yes. Yes. So I, I got her doing that now too, which is hilarious. <laughs> I run to the LCBO when it's out. I know. She it's gets so get. excited. It's, it's, it's funny because I'm like, wait a minute. She's more excited about it than I am. And I'm the bartender. Yeah, but then I get to try the drinks. <laughs> it's true. 
<laughs> yeah, because there are some recipes actually in there as well. So that sometimes helps me out as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that is kind of the, the answer to that question. Like I said, just go to LCBO or just uh, check on things online and get to know some more information about what you're going to order up. And don't forget to, like I said, mention the brand name when you're ordering and also two of the tall and short. Another two terms you might want to learn as well is uh, the neat, which means no ice, and rocks, which means, of course, ice. On the rocks, then. On the rocks, or you want it neat. And these are questions that bartenders will ask, and if they're good bartenders, they should be asking you these questions. So that's our show, and uh, it's been great. See, not as painful as you thought there, eh? Uh, once again, I was here against my will, however. <laughs> well, actually, she did pretty good, folks, eh? And don't forget to leave that in the comments about how well she did. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. Make her feel special. Uh, so, anyways, let's go. <laughs> nice. Okay, you ruined it now. What? No, you are. Really, <laughs> come on. At least you helped me out here. And I'm poor trying. Cam, you know, I'm we know Cam's situation. And uh, like I said, uh, hopefully he'll be coming back to the show soon. So, a couple of a bit of information about us. Uh, if you go to www.tikicentralcanada.ca, you will see us there. Well, not normal. Not She's me. not there. No, Cam's there, sorry, and he doesn't shave his legs, so uh, unfortunately, oh. you know, I know, and I'm sure I'm going to hear some rebuttal on him on that one. Anyways, uh, we're there. Um, there's also some blogs for each episode that we do. Also, there is the iTunes and Google Play uh, link that you click, and from that, you actually can subscribe to our show, so that means when we have a new show out, every single time that you'll get a little email or notification to say we got a new podcast. Also on there is, if you don't go through iTunes or Google Play, there is the link to actually to listen to the podcast directly, which is great. Like, for example, I'm in the car. I don't have iTunes, obviously, in the car, so I just click that link, and away I go. So anyways, uh, also, too, there's a spot for comments. Please, please do leave any comments. Uh, we love to hear from you guys and how uh, well we're doing, or if there's any questions you might have, I'll gladly answer them. If I don't have the answer, you know me. I will research it out. So, that is our show. I think we're going to go off and have some mijitos, since she seems intrigued by the brown sugar and 7-Up for that one. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. <laughs> and uh, we guess we'll call it a day for today, folks. Okay, so we'll see you soon, all right? Say bye, Norma. Bye, Norma. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I got it for Hey, guys, right? Hey, where's my drink? Hey, where's my drink?